Thanks for listening to the All About Reality Pod. And before you smash that skip ahead button, let me tell you about Breaking Tea and a sweet discount for our listeners. Breaking Tea makes cool, timely, comfy t-shirts and stuff for sports fans. If Pat Mahomes hits on a play called Jet Chip Wasp to win the Super Bowl, they've got a great looking Jet Chip Wasp shirt the next day. If Max Muncy tells Madison Bumgarner to go get it out of the ocean, same thing. If Megan Rapino breaks off the are you not entertained pose in the World Cup, well, you get the point. So check out the site, breakingtea.com, and use code REALITY15 for 15% off at checkout. It'll help the pod, it'll help Breaking Tea, and it'll help you get a new favorite shirt for you or someone you love. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, we sit halfway through December of the year 2020. And if I told you back in January what would ensue this year, none of us would believe that the following months and weeks uh, ever might happen. But goody, we've learned some lessons. We got through the year. There's some peace. There's some goodwill. There's some vaccines on the way. Uh, today is going to be about forward thinking. We're going to look at the lessons we learned this year and try to, to talk to the RSO family about some resolutions on how to be better general managers of our teams, how to offer better contracts to the players that we're managing. And uh, in general, we're just going to look ahead uh, both in these playoffs and, and to the offseason to come. One of my favorite things in these massive group chats is that owners are already talking about the offseason who they want to move already putting people on the block goody it's truly a year-round experience it was fun to do it with you through 2020 man we we kept ourselves entertained hopefully we kept some of our listeners entertained welcome back to the table brother uh 2020 is nearly done it is it is nearly done it's it's been it's been a, a fun run i mean i i think that woo we're already in week 15 i, I mean Darren Waller has a touchdown tonight. Tyron Johnson in those deep leagues, someone had had has him or just <laughs> had the accidental didn't put Keenan Allen back in their lineups or whatever. Like, can you imagine like just getting home from work and seeing like the, the three catches for 60 yards and a touchdown looks good out there. Justin Herbert doing Justin Herbert things again. So I, I think that, I mean, we could talk about process and everything else um, as it, as it kind of, morphs into the off season, but um, I think, you know, this is probably our, our last one of 2020 um, middle of playoffs, um, unless maybe like you win some leagues and we have victory lap or whatever. Uh, so, which is possible. Um, I think you have some pretty strong teams, especially in the, the friends of reality pod league is the number one seed. So it, it's been a fun run and always good to chat with you. Yeah. So this is what we got guys. We, we, can be a little bit proud of what we brought to the table for our listeners this year. I think a lot of good recommendations. Um, and you and I have had, uh, have had seasons that parallel one another 
But frankly, our successes and our failures have also had some symmetry, man. You are doing exceedingly well in our writers league, uh, like us uh, and uh, a team that I think was one of the best built there. Um, and maybe positioned for a deep run. I know you're hoping it. I don't want to jinx it for you. You in your home league are enjoying like really, really kind of a, an amazing lineup. You just read through it for me. Um, we won't belabor the details on that. And then in the Scott Fishbowl, you too had like you put together overcoming like some really big losses like Dak Prescott. You put it together a nice run in Scott Fishbowl. And those kind of exact leagues are where, where <laughs> my season fell apart in the Writers League, in my home league, in RSO, my first time not making the playoffs, in Scott Fishbowl, my first time not making the playoffs. Um, but having said that, like you said, in the Pod League, in the Friends of the Reality Podcast League with the other analysts, um, and in some of the bigger ones that I hopped on with some of our listeners, like the big 32-teamer that I'm in, a new 20-teamer that I'm in with some IDP, man, it's been a good run. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of football still to be had, and so I hope it goes well. And so let's talk. Uh, I want to start um, there. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about my first resolution to get better as a player. And it's, uh, it has to do – it's inspired in part by the teams playing tonight. Uh, we have the Raiders of Vegas, and we have – um, the Chargers of Los Angeles in front of us tonight. And I really, really liked Justin Herbert and followed him through his college career. Uh, he wears number 10, which is just a sentimental favorite for me. That's the number I wore growing up and was just a kid that I thought I should take some chances on. But I listened to my wiser and better analysts, especially in quarterback analysis. I isolated those guys that I respect. And, and even Writers League, I traded up for Tua rather than sitting tight and taking Justin Herbert. And I think uh, one of my first resolutions is I struggled with this all year. And in a number of places, I, I viewed, I bought the narrative that Justin Herbert was not in that tier of top three. And I think I, I settled into that kind of rookie tiering narrative where you are so certain that everybody's right about the different tiers, right? And and I don't know that we can do that going into a season when we have guys that may be six deep on the tier of quarterbacks coming into Superflex leagues. Um, so that's my first resolution is, is looking forward. I want to talk to you about those guys, right? We have, we have Trevor Lawrence, a generational prospect. We have Fields. We have Wilson. We have Trask. We have Lance. And we have Mac Jones. That's a pretty deep crew. Do you think all of them sneak into 12-team first hit rounds in Superflex? I, I don't. I, I think that there's just such talent at the wide receiver position. And, and I think that people will have a long lasting impression of what the rookie receivers have done this year in terms of showing glimpses and then some who are just straight up having historic seasons. We haven't talked a ton about your boy, Justin Jefferson on the pod, but Justin Jefferson's having a phenomenal rookie season. Um, CD lamb show, showed flashes with, um, when Dak, Dak was in earlier earlier in the season, I mean Jerry Judy just runs a crazy route tree, and and you you would like to hope that the that the quarterback position will improve in Denver as Drew Lock gets another year under his belt with that offense, um, or if they just decide to get antsy and, and find his replacement. So I think the receivers you have a couple of high end running backs, the Travis Etiens of the world, Najee Harris. So I I think that. There'll be too many people who will be reticent to do that just on the kind of the, the Josh Rosen fear 
versus more more so than the ability or, or inability of these quarterbacks. So I think there will be some surefire guys, you know, maybe three, three hop in, um, you know, probably the two guys you name is for certain. And then maybe a third or a fourth is, is draft, you know, senior bowl type darlings, um, et cetera. I know a lot of people are on the Zach Wilson train um, now. So, I, but I think there's just a lot, a glut of other talented positions. And, and then, you know, if you have um, Kyle Pitts, <laughs> could be that, that tight end who finally sneaks into the first round of rookie drafts, um, you know, just based on like positional scarcity. So, yeah, we got real specific naming names. So let's go back to, to our wheelhouse and let's talk strategy a little bit. Our, the All About Reality podcast listener league has proven to be a revelation to us, right? There are some really talented and smart general managers in there. Um, Got to give some shout outs, right? So it's the new crew that came in and are rebuilding teams. They're doing an excellent job there. Uh, Ashley taking down the number one seed going into the playoffs and, and is my opponent in the semis this week. Like, uh, just really grateful for you listeners out there. So give a shout out to you guys. But also, here's where it gets instructive for the other RSO GMs out there. In a 16-team Superflex League like that, this year it was kind of a foregone conclusion that the one and the two, just because of running backs, pardon me, quarterback scarcity, would be, would be Burrow and would be Tua. Um, leaving, leaving Taylor and CH sitting there for the three, four slots. Um, your boy Justin Fields out of Ohio, is he strong enough uh, a prospect, regardless of where he lands as an NFL prospect, is he the locked-in number two seed in a super flex like ours where the quarterback scarcity is, is something to behold? Yes, definitely. And I think that the person who has that position is, has already been sending pictures in, the, in our group uh, of Justin Fields. So yes, I think so. I, I mean, that doesn't guarantee that he's going to be an NFL success, obviously, but I, I, think it, I think it's pretty cut and dry with the, with the pedigree and, and what he's done in his body of work at Ohio State that, that he, will, he will be number two. I think there would have to be an overwhelming offer in terms of that many teams in the league because I mean the problem with this the beauty of the super flex league especially in something that deep kind of cuts both ways like once if, if you don't have two viable quarterbacks then you're essentially almost saying you're rebuilding or if you have misfortune and it gets it gets kind of it can get kind of depressing I can only imagine what that looks like and you know I think you I think your 32 teamer is a one quarterback league but it's still the same premise it is, and I can speak to both that premise and the 16, and let's keep going further because I like where you're headed with this one. In that 32-teamer, the three teams that have the top three picks uh, are all quarterback desperate. So you assume that they go quarterback uh, one, two, three. In our league, uh, you have Tim rocking the number three spot who has some nice pieces and is doing a fine job with his rebuild. Um, and he is going to have next year under contract at quarterback um, through 2021. He has a tricky situation because the only quarterback currently that he has on the roster under contract is uh, Carson Wentz. So he's the perfect case study. If you're sitting at number three and you're, you've got some money to play with, he's going to be able to go after what's available at auction. So we're talking lower tier two quarterbacks. There's not, there's never going to be a, a franchise changer available in a team like that in a league like that um he could franchise ryan Tannehill for the second year if he wants to 
but Matt, does he have to go quarterback there even over prospects like Jamar Chase and Etienne and Harris? Uh, I think he has Jalen Hurts also, like in case Wentz doesn't oh, yeah, pan you're out, right. right? You're right. You know, you're totally right. He's got Hurts on it. On okay, so but still, he's paying a fair bit of money for Wentz. So, anyways, yeah. I I kind of smile when you bring up Tim because like Tim went ten and three. He won the championship last year. I, I feel like he doesn't really need my advice. <laughs> um, he was the one person who like kept winning and made me not make the playoffs. So I don't think I would have done anything in the playoffs, <laughs> especially against the output that you put up last week. I think you put you know you you would have been maybe an opponent so I, I think that you're saying does he have to pick a quarterback there or not and I don't know the answer to that necessarily because one thing that we haven't seen and it, it well we've seen a little bit of small sample size when teams are forced without a quarterback if you build a good enough team in a super flex league and, and you see it in Scott Fishbowl I think a little bit too you don't have to start a quarterback like Marcus you know kudos to Marcus who's in, Marcus Corbold who's you know um He's kind of, you know, friend of Nick Andrews and whatnot. Now he's he's been in the as pod league for a while, and he, he's been pretty consistently good. And now he has Drew Brees, who's hurt, and, but he he's been able to plug guys like Eckler and Keenan Allen and, and whomever into the super flex spot while Brees has been injured and still kind of score go off type points. So I I don't know that that that's the case. I, I think t- you know Tim has a, a wealth of of running backs that he picked from this year's class. Antonio Gibson being one, Cam Makers being another. And so I, I don't know that he necessarily – I think he loves Najee Harris. Um, so I, I think it it really depends on what his appetite is for the quarterback or if he feels like he wants to trade down a little bit and accumulate stuff. I, I think at I think at three there, just kind of like when you were sitting, I think, at three and four this year in that league, the world's kind of your oyster because if you, if you want to go the third quarterback, you can figure out a way. And if you don't, then you're grabbing – whoever the highest the the highest skill position guy basically yeah and it's interesting right we we saw clearly a scenario where her, where burrow seemed like he was uh a foregone conclusion and he was and then Tua was a foregone conclusion and he was this year trevor lawrence it probably exceeds both of them in hype um and rightly so i would i would suggest and and Fields too has just been. Uh, I've only seen him play in one game, and uh, he plays for some university that I I, I don't think is as vaunted. You know, I, I forget what school. It's some small school yeah. in, a, in a in a flyover state somewhere. Um, having said that, yeah. Um, having said that, I, I hate that phrase. Actually, I want to I want to punch myself in the throat after saying <laughs> flyover states. I'm, I'm I'm born in Iowa, people. I I don't believe that at all. Right, like the the heart of our country. And yeah. so, but having said this, like um. All joking aside, Matt, like it is, you're right. Like I do like those spots where you're kind of in the uh, in the driver's seat on picking prospects that typically would be the one, two, or three in a non-super flex draft. But after after the season, let me ask you a question: Is there any rookie wide receiver or running back looking back on 2020 that would you would rather have than Joe Burrow, knowing what you know about his injury? Is there any rookie wide receiver that or running back? Um, it's a good question. Um, seeing as he's he's another year out, and in a super flex league, you're paying big money for your quarterback on the fifth year. I I would say 
I, I think you could make an argument for for Taylor and Dobbins over him, or maybe maybe even Justin Jefferson. Okay. I mean, obviously, like if you were saying whether you'd have, I think we've talked about this on prior podcasts. I think you would pick Herbert over Burrow just based on the injury right now. Yeah. Um, just to you know, if if you you know, because it's just going with more of a more of a known I would say so I, I think those I think those guys would be the ones that I if I was thinking through that I would potentially pick over Burrow sounds good and listen you and I were in in agreement and we weren't uh I don't think we were staggering anybody with our love for Jerry Judy we both developed a bit more of a man crush on him when we saw him run routes in the NFL and saw him yeah bug out there um but but joking but all that in the rear view, the consensus number one in fantasy was C.D. Lamb. And you were a big C.D. Lamb guy, and I thought rightly so. I kind of gave you that platform. At this point, you've elevated Jefferson above C.D. Lamb. Uh, I think so, but I think it's close. I think that – I mean, I think – I we didn't have enough of a sample to really see what what Lamb would be with Preston. Scott though and and so I think that's that's a really close decision I think the question is what you know how Minnesota's offense may change in the future but Jefferson Jefferson's doing it without like as much volume as well so I think that he you know he he's doing things that historically few receivers have done in the rookie year so I think I think that has to catapult him a little bit but you know, it doesn't mean I'm down on Lamb by by any means. I mean, I think the guy that everyone's down on if they were redoing their rookie drafts is, is CEH. And the question is what what you do with him. I mean, I think if if, if you told me today, like where would, James Robinson would be, you know, somewhere in the middle of the middle of the round, probably after Taylor and, and whatnot. So you'd be picking him five or six is my guess. Um, so I, I think the question really becomes, what happens with CEH going forward um, on his size and everything else. And I think that you know, he's, the, there's reason for optimism. I, I still think like you, he was a big trade piece at an RSO deadlines, I'm sure for future star type players, you know, he got traded for a package like for Nick Chubb in, in my home league um, and, and some other pieces. Um, so I, I think that, you know, you and I were talking about it from McCaffrey yeah. at, a, at a point in time, you know, in the, cap just didn't really work so you know I still think there's plenty of upside in that Chiefs offense especially when they can you know hopefully with a vaccine can figure out how they're going to scheme with him yeah no I'm with you and I think I think I want to be official as a reality sports online uh, GM and, and kind of point our listeners and be on record here saying that I think you have to go now that the win now packages that you could put together to, to nab a star this season. I, I hope that all of our listeners hang tight to CEH. I really think he is. Um, I think all the reasons why we loved him remain true. He's attached for the foreseeable future to one of the best coaches and offenses in football. And I, I think there are guys out there that are, and there are, there are managers out there that are putting James Robinson above him now and I think that's as much as I love James Robinson and like all of us we've got teams that he's carried us this year I I think that's a little bit uh, far-fetched to be honest Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. I mean, I James Robinson doesn't have a great matchup this week against the Ravens, but I'm still starting. I have the option to put J.K. Dobbins in instead of Robinson, but I just really trust the volume. Yeah. So um, Mariota's looking good tonight, by the way. Um, yeah, so I just trust the volume that James Robinson – I mean, he's been so dependable. I mean, last week I think it was the worst week of the season. And um, so, I mean, if you pick an undrafted rookie – free agent and and he's running back five on the season I mean that just speaks volumes to what the guy's done and and also the opportunity he's had uh, just without sharing any of that backfield sounds good yeah and so I mean I guess this we can get really concrete here we we both tend to value young running backs we preach get running backs on rookie contracts um I in thinking about this before I put you on the spot with it so I'm going to tell you that knowing or at least anticipating how the rookie running back class looks this year, I, I would trade any pick that would get me CEH uh, except for Etienne and Harris. So whatever I thought those guys were going to go in my league uh, at running back, I would be willing to give up the pick right after that for CEH uh, in this class. And, and that would be, even if that was Jamar Chase, I, that's what I would be doing. So tell me, am I, I, that's probably an overpay. No, I think that would get it done in most leagues, would it not? I, I would. I would have to think it would. Yeah. Okay. So I think if you are a believer in CH, if you're a believer in the Chiefs, and again, that price you might not be able to get uh, off season if he goes off in the playoffs and does you know looks fancy moving forward. Um, but I think that's one thing to go. Now we're <laughs> we're we're hanging out together. The Las Vegas is back on. John Gruden has replaced, he's remedied his error of his Oakland Raiders cap and put on a Las Vegas Raiders cap for the second half. So this <laughs> is nice. Um, Waller's making more moves, hurting me a little more, giving Ashley some more love in our, in our semifinal um, fight here. Having said that, Goody. Who's the person who was just dangling their finger? Uh, that would be the Nelson Aguilar, if I'm not okay. mistaken. Um, All right. Having said that, <laughs> We're going to wrap up for everybody, and I want, to get, I want you to give me one clear resolution for the future and one lesson learned from the year past. And I'll start to give you some time to think about it and contemplate your, your wonderful trades for Waller that are carrying you in these semifinal mm. matchups so you can relish a couple more passes to him. So my Balls to the Waller. Yeah, <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, my, <laughs> so my resolution, uh, or pardon me, my reflection upon the past year as I looked back, I realized I was really married and overly married to the concept of rookie running backs, even to the point that I started to ignore um, the potential upside of guys uh, as like Jefferson, though I didn't pass on him anywhere where I had the opportunity, but, but the, the Ragers and the Ayukes certainly I was, I was really hammering for our listeners that you go Keyshawn Vaughn. Um, and then that, that just turned into a morass that, that saddened me and everywhere that I, he, now he looks like one of those contracts that you're going to have to give up assets to move. It's just, it's just ugly and it's not pretty. He's never really stepped up um, as, as the Ronald Jones truthers have been doing a dance on our proverbial gravestone. So, so that would be my mistake, right? Like the, the pursuit of rookie running backs, even over talent at wide receiver position, especially in the later first, uh, is where I will no longer be preaching. That you will not hear me preaching that next off season for our listeners. 
Okay. Yeah, that, 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 I, I can see where that, that makes sense. Um, I think you've also had a little bit of revelation at the quarterback position. I mean, it, I, I, it was fun, though, like talking to you on Monday night when Baker was going nuts because I know you've been somebody who's traded a lot of capital for him and, and see, like, hey, this is what this dude's capable of and not, you know, you're – you're totally, you know, 100% ride or die on on that guy, and and it's good to see. It's good to see when someone performs like that, and especially, you know, when when they're scheming right for him, like that Browns offense looks really dangerous. And and I, as a Browns fan, I, you know, even though they lost the game and the outcome was a little predictable, when they scored with a minute left, I feel like and Justin Tucker, like the best kicker of all time, you know, it's just too much time, like especially when you can't seemingly can't cover anybody on defense uh mark andrews um but you know so i i i'm excited about what the browns have especially like they get some of those secondary guys back healthy this later this year or next year so um in terms of like what lessons i've i've learned this year i mean one is you know i've had a couple good teams and just like what it takes to go for it while st- still keeping a nice core, young core intact. So I, I think that, you know, especially in the writer's league, I think that the psychology of, you know, especially with only 30 draft picks, I always want to be involved in that some way, shape, or form. And, you know, Antonio Gibson went almost towards the end of our, that and, and our, you know, I think Bob picked him in, in that league or whatever, like 28th. So I, I got Michael Pittman like 15th and in, he's had effectively like one really promising week and then it's hard to justify him in your lineup yet. But I, I think that if you, if you trust, like what what you want to see out of your rookies is just that they're, they're flashing it at least in a one game sample in the NFL, like in the rookie season, if they carry that towards the second season, I mean, if they knock it out of the park, like Justin Jefferson, you're turning cartwheels. So I, I think that's, that's the glimmer of hope to, get you to prevent you from like giving up on a guy you know when when you have a guy like you know last year jj arstego whiteside like he hasn't done it for two years now so it's like okay now i hope is hope is gone it seems like with him you know but i i I think i think that's one thing is always to have draft picks i mean you don't play in many leagues with defenses one of my lessons is i don't want to trade i've traded draft picks for defenses the last two years second rounders and in a league where we only have 24 total picks i don't want to do that anymore i think there's just too much volatility with schedules i'm starting you know i I trained for the bucks a few weeks ago with former guest of the pod ryan benini and i'm starting the browns against the Giants I'm sorry the Browns against the Jets if I'm fortunate enough to advance so I, I think that I think that's that's what that's what, another thing and then um I you know I I, I missed on my fair share of guys this year I don't think Gasicki had like he had very uneven performances so like was he starting for people in the playoffs um I, I think that I think one thing that I've like the one of my biggest takeaways of the season is just how volatile, you know, receivers are based on their quarterback play and everything else. So I think like a guy like DJ Chark has just done the whole roller coaster. And then the question is that if Lawrence Fields goes in there next year, do you love DJ Chark again? Like, you know, I mean, with Jake Luton and Gardner Minshew and, and, you know, and, um, Mike Glennon, like not not so much. So it's it's just like how, figuring out when to jump off of a guy is is really tough. 
It is. It is. And speaking of jumping off and then jumping on, I guess that would be my resolution. I, I want to, um, I want to identify guys that I still believe in in the off season and, and trade for them even when they're not the trendy guys. Like right now, at the end of the season, I want to sit down and assess guys that I believe in before all the off season stories break and all the hype trains start because we have a we're, we're more proximate to this season we've seen these guys with our own eyes and i think if you go down and make a list of five or six players that are viable to trade for um for one for example for me would be i i liked in in small sample sizes while i was watching the immolation of cam newton and just the just watching me flush the capital away that i traded for him uh, to be a quarterback in a super flex league for me. I actually liked what I saw from Keel Harry. He started to look in those games like he was a route runner, like he was like actually uh, NFL wide receiver. And with a quarterback, I, I trust the coaching staff, obviously, to scheme for him. I think with a quarterback that comes in that actually wants to throw the ball, Keel Harry might be one of those rare receivers that I trust to make a late breakout a la Devontae Parker or something. Um, right. So I, th- those are the kind of guys that I, that I would come up with a list. We will make that list for our listeners, right? Um, we will ask our league mates not to listen during those podcasts so we can go <laughs> and, and trade for those guys, right? Um, but yeah, like- I'm For sure. Of, but I mean, this, that's, I, think, I think it's good practice and a lot of fun right now to sit down and go think about the people that you want to chase in the off season. It's, it is, I am so excited to think that this doesn't end with week 16 in RSO, right? We get to go start chasing the next championship like as soon as your commissioners will let you, right? As soon as the league mm-hmm. rolls over. Right, yeah, and I encourage those people who do win decent money in, if they're tied into leagues to either, to donate a little bit of that and or roll that over to next year so that, that you never even see that piece of it. And then, you know, um, buy your spouses something nice or your kids or or spend a little on yourself or wh- whatever uh-huh. um you know if you're boring like me you just make like an extra student loan payment or something but um <laughs> no i i don't know um so yeah i, th- I think that's something that that's in- interesting as well with, with you know different different leagues and and it's certainly fun i think that you know, there, there's a lot of play. you know, the hardest part about this whole RSO game is just with these rookie contracts, like when are you giving up on a guy? If you, if you gave up on, you know, you gave up on Corey Davis, like everybody else. And like, this was his, you know, fourth year, he, he was pretty, pretty dang good receiver this year. You know, you, you maybe you didn't pick up his fifth year option because it wasn't worth the transition tag, but you know, he, he's pretty valuable for you. So it's, I, I mean, I don't know that that means that there's hope for the J.J. Arcega white sides of the world or, or, or the Daryl Hendersons who looks like uh, he's on the, you know, who seems like he's better off. Like his situation only really improves maybe if he gets traded to another team or something, depending on like what happens to Cam Akers, even though he's a, a, you know, by all accounts seems like a pretty good football player. So, you know, a situa- situation matters and, and, you know, it, it what we do know is that quarterbacks don't move teams very often. So like you just don't expect to see that very much. And, and then the rest is moving puzzle pieces. For sure. Now let's give them like, some bonus content and then get everybody out of here. We've had a lot of fun back and forth. I think we've pointed people a lot of the right ways uh, with, with running backs this year. Um, and this time next year, tell me Goody, uh, 
is it going to be one of the five rookie running backs that performed to various degrees and to varying degrees this year? But Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, C.E.H. Uh, actually, add Robinson six running backs, right? Jonathan Taylor um, and DeAndre Swift. Or is it going to be one of the two new rookie running backs uh, that are, are that are seemingly the consensus one, two right now, and Etienne and Harris? Uh, who's going to be at the top of that particular mountain as far as a guy that you want, a young guy on a rookie contract when we're sitting here at the end of 2021? At the end of 2021, I, I, I'm going to answer that two ways. I think I, I, I'd like Do- Dobbins is the guy that I'm still sticking with just because he's starting to get a sending share. I mean, I think Gus Edwards is a good football player. I don't, I, I think he may be a free agent this year too, a restricted one. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so if for the the current crop it's 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 um jk dobbins if but i'll caveat that with saying that if the miami dolphins get one of those two run two or three top two or three running backs they get harris atn whatever i want that guy okay so you're calling your shot at the landing place and we've talked about this on on previous pods or at least off air yeah, we both love whoever ends up in that Miami driver's seat for sure. Um, having said that, I'm still sticking with my boy. I think you finally have gotten a taste of wh- who I thought Jonathan Taylor was these last few weeks. And I think um, on a season where I'm going to give a mulligan to his offensive line, I think the Colts did not play as well as we thought they were going to up front, the big boys. And I think with a little bit more seasoning, uh, there's going to be some nice cooking uh, down there in Indianapolis. We're going to get some spicy barbecue coming out of that team uh, in the running game next year. So I really, I'm a believer in Jonathan Taylor still. So if anybody's still willing to trade him in the off season, uh, that's, that's who you go talk to. Yeah, no, I, I hear you on Taylor. I, th- I think he's looking very strong. All right, buddy. Well, uh, I'm glad you, you had a good Hanukkah. We, we just gave our Festivus grievances, so everybody keep a lookout for that. To, uh, yeah, the, the Potathon folks on Fantasy Football Funhouse does do an airing of the grievances episode, which should be fun. I may have one with Keith. I may have to do another one if Keenan Allen doesn't get any more receptions tonight. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> well, listen, everybody, all the URS OGMs out there, it's you and yours. Thank you for sticking with us through a strange and wonderful season of fantasy football. A really good, did a good job of turning our eyes uh, away from those things that we didn't want to be spending our time looking at and, and delving away from reality. So this All About Reality co-host is grateful for your company in the off season for all the questions and the commentary on Twitter um, where you reached out at fantasy doc, uh, buddy, grateful for you again uh, to you and yours. Happy holidays to all of you rocking Christmas out there. Uh, happy Advent. And Merry Christmas to you and yours. And uh, that's fantasy doc. Goody, where should they go find you? Well, first off, I want to extend um, kudos and congratulations on an awesome third season of All About Reality. I can't believe we're like 80 episodes deep. And and I, I think that, you know, as long as we keep having fresh content and, and guests and everything, I think that we'll, we'll, we'll keep trying to crank, 
crank this as our, you know, our kids get older, we get older and times get older and people get older and I'm getting older too, um, <laughs> by virtue of my recent birthday. But um, in any event, um, thank you for everything you do and for putting up with all my BS, which is, you know, which behind the scenes, there's just so much of it. <laughs> let, 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 let's, let's be real here, just about whether it's in the pod league or, or something about a trade or this, that, or the other, like when we're recording and and all of that like you know like you know luke should get reparations checks for having to deal with me so um anyways i'm sure no not a single one of you is surprised by that comment so thank you um but happy holidays merry christmas um happy new year coming up i still have the vivid memory of your your brother cashing in a million million smack smackers on new year's eve a few years ago and, and i don't think i've been as genuinely excited for a person I didn't know. Like, I think the most recent example, that was the first example. And then when, I'm not sure if you saw the millionaire episode with Mina Kimes or whatever, and David Chang and, and like Mina Kimes is the phone a friend and he won a million dollars for his charity or whatever. Like that, that was the like second time other than your brother where I've been excited for somebody I didn't know. Uh, so anyways, you can find me at Matt Goody too on the digression station and, that is it for another episode, another season of All About Reality.